belongings with you. Thank you for travelling with Caledonian McBrain. That was our ferry to Arran, the beginning of the island stage of our tour. And we started by giving ourselves a day off. We went uh, walking up Goat Fell, the highest mountain in Arran. And then we spent the night in a B&B and we had our first hot shower in five days. We went to a restaurant, we just totally pigged out, recharged and we started the next day, re-energized and ready to cycle around Arran. And that buoyancy, that good energy, lasted about five kilometers. This is more like it. We're in Lamlach in the Isle of Arran. It's raining at like noon. There's one cafe open and because of social distancing like we can't, there's too many people who want to get in the cafe, we're too late, we literally can't go indoors. Ah, it kind of sucks because we have to spend all day in these wet clothes. I've literally got a, um, over my bandaged finger, I've got a Sainsbury's bag of onions, you know, onion bag, attached to my wrist with a hairband. Um, so here we go, this is kind of comical. Oh, so we spent 40 minutes in a bus stop uh, in the rain, and then we found a like a hotel with an awning outside which you could sit in and have a coffee which had no like walls so it was sort of a little wet and we both got chilled we spent about an hour talking to this chatty Glaswegian guy uh, now we're sort of back on the bikes it's drizzling and um, we've never actually wanted a hill so much because we're so cold we just need some exercise to warm us up so uh a five mile cycle to the next beach hopefully we can find like a cafe where they'll actually let us sit inside <laughs> here it goes okay fast forward a few hours it stopped raining and we had a good day cycling around uh, Aaron but uh, this this was the worst midge experience of our lives this oh my god we were looking for a place to camp and, and an hour ago we found this spot next to two other families it seemed nice, but we stopped for a second and there were a lot of midges and it just thought like, this is going to be horrible. Like, midges are tiny little biting flies, by the way. Uh, much smaller than mosquitoes and much more numerous and just as itchy. And they get in your nostrils, they get in your eyes, they get in your ears. Um, and they love it when, it's no, when there's no wind. They can't deal with any wind more than five miles per hour. Anyway, Zoe, Zoe was kind of happy to go there and I said, I don't really want midges, so let's go further. So we went about um, 12 kilometers up the road to this bay where I figured it would be airier and windier. And it looked really nice when we got here, quite open, but the wind had totally died. We found a spot, to, I mean, it was, it was really flat and nice. We found a spot to pitch a tent near the sea. And within one minute, there were more midges than I've ever seen in my life. There were literally hundreds in a cloud around Zoe, probably thousands. Just think about what that looks like. 1,000 insects buzzing around your face, trying to get onto you. And we're wearing repellent spray, and it's just not, it's maybe stopping some of them landing, but it's, they are literally all over your face and in every orifice that's available to the world. That was nuts. I've never seen anything like that in my life. Zoe was losing it. I was losing it. Because Zoe was losing it in a more American way. 
Maybe, maybe I'm overreacting, Zoe. Maybe. How bad was it? it was, I've never seen anything like that in my life. I was just fully, like there were, I, I can't even describe how many bugs were on me, but like near me. I can't describe how many midges were on me. It's like full on midges had. <laughs> it's one of those things. It's just one of those things that you can't explain, you can't you can't video it, you can't capture it in a photo. I mean, I'm in my Birkenstocks. I'm cycling away in my Birkenstocks because I don't want to change it to... Yeah, all, all we did on that beach was put on trousers and socks, have an argument, and then leave. Because you literally couldn't think without running. And I literally got my... I just got on my bike because I had to, had to generate five miles, miles an hour I, of I wind. I think that was the midgiest place on the island. I think we stopped at the midgiest place on the island. But I don't think it's possible they must congregate there and like breathe there and they just make you so angry and it i argued with stan not because i was mad at stan but because the midges were making me angry in other yeah basically in conclusion that's the worst thing i've ever experienced it's the worst thing zoe's ever experienced and please destroy midges if you're working on if you're a scientist and you're thinking about what to do for the world Please consider eliminating midges. But said they're really bad on this side. No, you just said they're really bad around here. With very little pity in his voice. Didn't, I thought he was going to offer us a piece He had a house. I don't. I think for him it's more like a, oh, I can't go on a walk today. Mm. For us it's like, where are we going to sleep? We literally are running out of island. We've almost done it all. Yeah. And there's no wind. There's also like no respite because even if we're like, okay, well, we'll stay at a campsite. I mean, there will be midges at the campsite. Yeah, campsites don't have some sort of magic midge machine. No. Maybe we should bail. Bail and do what? No, you don't want to stay in a hotel. I mean... I'm... I'm the... the least Bailey person I know, and I'm seriously considering saying we should bail. Well, maybe we should bail then. I couldn't Ooh, even... oyster catcher! Flying! Oh. Bit of bird spotting. I honestly... We can pitch a tent in five minutes, and I don't know if I could do it in those conditions. I couldn't do it. There was absolutely no way I could do it. No way. No way in hell. I couldn't even pack up the tent. I mean, you, you're cycling with the tent just on the back of the rack. Yeah, just resting on the back of the bike. Because we, we had a midge experience a few days ago, and I said, we could talk about that, but I just think we're going to get a worse one. This was it. Oh my god. You better not ever get a worse one than this. I honestly think we should stop and put the tent on. I'm just so happy now. There's no midges here. We found a spot, it's windy. Basically in the middle of a village, in a bay, looking over some mountains, a castle, a ferry. It's gonna get dark in an hour and we may or may not stay here, but oh my God, I've never been this happy to feel wind on my face. If you wanna move on, we can move on. We are sitting in an alcove in Port Nahaven, uh on Isla, and we've been on Isla for two days. Last night we spent a really nice evening in the tent, camping on the beach, and we woke up to a classic sheep alarm clock. Um, and I feel like it's a while since 
I've recorded anything and since I asked Dan how he's feeling about the trip. And I'm curious because we're on a new kind of trip almost. We're, we're on island time and the distances are shorter and the days feel weirdly longer. And there's so much time that we just have to not kill, but like experience. And I'm just wondering how he's feeling and what's going through his mind, really. Good question. Um, so it's two days since the midge attack. And I agree, it's it feels different. Now we're in Isla, we don't actually have to cycle anywhere. We've, we're basically just doing extra bits that we've chosen to do. We're cycling less far. I find myself oscillating between feeling like this is great, this is so peaceful and we're just exploring every part of the island and between wow we've got another week to spend and I don't really know what we're going to do with it and it's literally just me and Zoe um, and feeling a little bit claustrophobic hmm. so I'm oscillating between those two um, frames of mind <laughs> <laughs> and Right now I'm in a pretty good frame of mind. Um, yeah. Because there is literally us on an island. A town every 10 miles with, if you're lucky, like a shop and a place to get a coffee. And no other distractions. Nothing, you know, to do. Um, and no other people. There are other people, we're not really speaking to them. It's like being in a desert. <laughs> and um, I think when you're in a desert, you've got to stay calm and enjoy <laughs> the peace. <laughs> so that's me. What about you, Zoe? Mm. Yeah, I've been finding it hard to slow down, I think. Because up until this point, you kind of have to go a certain distance every day. And that forces you to be thinking about the next, like, 10 miles. And then the next 10 miles. And if we're going to get there or if we're not. And um, and we also always had a plan. There was always, like, a thing we had to do. Um, and so I'm finding it hard to just sit and, like, be in the moment. Which sounds really cliched. But... Um, to just to, to just fill the time and not kill the time, I think I'm finding hard. About half an hour after that conversation, uh, Zoe and I were cycling up a hill and we continued it off microphone, of course, because all the most interesting stuff happens off mic. And Zoe sort of said, I don't mean to be naggy, but what, what did you mean when you said spending a week with me made you feel claustrophobic and I said it's it can be quite intimidating having a week stretching out of you and very few distractions very few plans and being stuck with one person it's a bit like I said it was a bit like swimming over deep water it's not dangerous but Sometimes when you think about it, you get scared. And I think it's the same about spending a lot of really intense time with Zoe, or anyone really. And 
I don't know if Zoe agreed with that. I think it can be quite intimidating just to have everything stripped away and just to be totally alone in the middle of nowhere with somebody. And I suspect it's a thing that a lot of couples don't do. So I'm glad we're doing it. But it's tricky. Sometimes I just want to do something totally like Total, totally oblivion, just like watching TV or scrolling my phone. And we can't do that. And that's probably a good thing because I don't know if those activities are healthy. Certainly relying on those activities isn't healthy. But it's interesting to, to recognise that in my normal life, I build in essentially wasted time doing nothing. It's not the first time me and Zoe have talked about this kind of thing. I think Zoe would probably agree that she has um, very high expectations of our relationship. She sort of imagines that if your partner is the one, then you should be able to spend unlimited time with them and never be bored and never run out of things to say. Um, because that's what true love is. And I think that's ridiculous. <laughs> um, I'm sorry, I just don't believe anyone could be that entertaining. So we're on the remote side of Isla right now and our plan is to to go to the ferry to Jura and camp in Jura tonight and Jura is a big island with 200 people living on it apparently, 5,000 red deer and famously nothing there, nothing to do. <laughs> so we're going to go check it out and also we're expecting like storm winds and rain tonight, all night. So we're going to try and find a sheltered spot. So last night we had uh, a great day cycling around Isla and we were tired and got the ferry in the evening just across the water to Jura, which is Isla's desolate, empty twin. And it looked like that when we crossed over. You couldn't see any buildings, you couldn't see any walls, no fields, no sheep. We got off the ferry, there were about six cars on the ferry. And two kilometres up the road there was a beautiful camping spot. It was a ruined house. And the walls of the house were ranged from nothing two metres high. There was no roof. And we just, we camped inside one of the rooms of this ruined house. I mean, room is generous because it was just grass on the floor. And we were happy because it was windy and we knew it was going to be a really windy night. And there was a wall protecting us from the easterly wind that was blowing. And we saw a seal. He kind of like keeps bobbing up out of the water. Mm. Where's your neck? <laughs> Seals don't got no neck. Yeah. I want that much blubber. Mm. I mean, I don't, but I kind of do. We went to bed when it started raining and um, the rain got heavy. But we were mostly protected by the wall from the wind. And I slept really soundly until about two o'clock in the morning and I woke up and it was very windy. And the wind was changing direction. And it was changing direction so that 
there was no longer a wall protecting us. And by about 3, 3.30, the wind was pushing the tent down on my head and body. It was pushing the whole, whole half of the tent completely down. I had to shuffle up to Zoe's side of the tent and still it was just being crushed. Eventually I got up and readjusted a guy rope, had to wrap it round a, a stone. So our tent looked a little bit less warped and messed up. Um, it was a, a restless night. I think we didn't sleep too much. I got a bit more sleep in the morning. Um, it was light when I'd fixed the tent and we slept an hour or a couple of hours until nine and the wind was just still going the whole area had just been transformed into this ripple of foliage being blown around by the wind and we were checking the forecast and the wind was going to continue and the wind was going to also turn to rain the next day uh, well, what can we do we just charged ahead and cycled over uh, the longest 11 kilometers of my life into a 30 mile an hour headwind to Craig House which is the only real village on the island by any sort of definition of the word village it's got a distillery it's got a shop it's got a hotel and that's about it um, we went for a walk we got completely soaked and now we're a bit stuck because we not sure if we can handle another night in a storm tonight's set to be just as extreme as last night we're just a little bit shaken and we're a little bit our nerves are a bit frayed from being constantly in heavy wind and constantly a little bit cold and a little bit wet um, so I'll let you know what happens <laughs> So the good news is Zoe, um, Zoe found a really nice place for us to stay. She went to the hotel and it was very expensive. They didn't have any rooms, but they uh, this guy was outside who runs a B&B and has a wood cabin. And he's he's uh, he's letting us stay in that wood, ca wood cabin for £40. And it's lovely. It's got a shower. It's got a toilet. It's got a sink. It's not windy in here. It's not going to blow over. Um, we've had a really chill evening until now. I've been covered in itchy, itchy insect bites and just removed a tick from the inside of my leg. And now we're finding loads of tiny little black dots all over our bodies. <laughs> and they are really small. It's hard to tell if they're ticks or not. I think I can see little legs, but imagine something like a poppy seed size. And I've found maybe four or five on me already. Uh, so having a great time in this cabin. I've had about four. So we just found four in, in as many minutes. Uh, we may be covered in, in blood-sucking parasites. <laughs> Ow. <laughs> Our time on Jura was just an absolute roller coaster. A really empty, ridiculous island full of bugs, deer, very few people. And we ended up being stranded on there for that second night when the, the only ferry out of there was cancelled. 
and we were really lucky to find Jerry and Janice who looked after us extremely well. In the morning we woke up late, went to the kitchen and we were expecting to make our own breakfast but Jerry ended up cooking us a full Scottish breakfast. We were also expecting to have to go out into the rain but Jerry was such a chatterbox we couldn't even stop him. We were in his kitchen until noon just chatting away suited us perfectly and Jerry told us all about how what it was like living on Jura how they did all their shopping the highs and lows of living in the middle of nowhere and he also told us about ticks and it turns out those things on our bodies they were ticks now a tick is a little eight-legged creature that waits around in long grass for an animal to pass by and then it grabs onto the animal sticks its head into the skin and just feasts on blood for a number of days over which time its body expands. It's a pretty horrible thing to find on you um, and it's more than just horror movie stuff. It could be deadly. There's a disease called Lyme's disease which is transmitted when a um, tick goes from an animal, usually a deer, to a human and if it stays in you it can give you this disease which is a horrible degenerative illness degenerative illness which kills you and jerry actually knew somebody down the road who has lyme's disease um can't look after himself and probably will die soon so that was sort of terrifying and made us very paranoid and we started reading up on lyme's disease immediately so ticks are no joke and if you're in the kind of place where ticks are around then you should check yourself every night and, and take the ticks out with a tweezer make sure you kill them when you do i didn't realize they could be that small these were so small you couldn't even tell if it had legs so it's been a, a week of storms and parasites um and I've enjoyed it, despite what you might think from listening to the podcast. And if you are listening this far, thanks for joining us. I've really enjoyed being out here and I've enjoyed making the podcast. We've only got a few days left of our trip and we're going to end in Glasgow in three days. So uh, stay tuned for the next and final episode. I'll see you then. <laughs>